last week, I shared with you the amazingness of our Messiah. In case you missed it, Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrated that fact last Sunday, and I'm here to tell you this morning, this is not a one-and-done type of celebration. Our Savior, our Prince of Peace, our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings, our Messiah lives. Hence, He is alive. Still, He's alive and He's here to do some things in your life if you will let Him. That's the key to the whole life-changingness of the Gospel. I kind of made that word up, life-changingness. But the key to the life-changingness of the Gospel is, is that if you will let Him. You see, we have free will. We're not little robots. We're not pre-programmed without choice to just automatically follow God. But we get to choose. The choice is simple. Bondage to sin or freedom in Christ. I don't know about you, but I have spent too much time, too much of my past stuck in the bondage of sin. I know the darkness. I know the pain that it brings into our life. Now, moment of transparency, and this may surprise some of you, I am far from perfect. Stop it. So are you, by the way. In case no one has told you that, real quick, we're going to have a bit of a reality check. And we're all going to have a moment of transparency with each other. I want you to turn to the person next to you, whether you know them or not, Just look at them. I want everybody to look at somebody. And I want you to say to them, Hey, say, Hey, you're not perfect. Yeah, that's right. Now, keep looking at them. And I appreciate that no one looked at my wife and said, You're not perfect, because baby, you are. All right? Keep looking at them and say this, I'm not perfect either. See, don't you feel good? Yeah. All right, the secret's out. We all know. We all know where we stand before God. We are messed up, struggling, not perfect. But with Christ alive and with Christ in our lives, we have freedom in Him. Because He is alive, and He is doing a few things in our lives. He's doing a few things on our behalf, if you will. And I've come up with my top three things that Jesus is alive and doing, and I want to share those with you today. First one, number one, He is alive and He intercedes for us. And we're going to break these down in a second, but the first one, He intercedes for us. The second one is He encourages us. If you're writing these down, He is alive and He encourages us. And the third one is He is alive and He equips us. So He intercedes for us, He encourages us, and He equips us. Now, before I get into those three things, you need to answer the question, will you allow Jesus to do those things for you? Will you allow Jesus to intercede for you? Will you allow Him to encourage you? Will you allow Jesus to equip you? As we look at these three focal points this morning, I want you to begin now considering what you need to do in your life or what changes you need to make in order for Christ to be allowed to do these things for you. 
or with you. Let's get started with the first one. He is alive and he will intercede for you. You see, Paul shares in, with Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, as he talks about instructions in worship, he explains that Christ came to intercede for us. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, he says this, I urge, or excuse me, first of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. I love that word, dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, say this with me, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, also between God and men. The man, Jesus, Christ Jesus, sorry, I messed up my own thing, <laughs> who gave himself, you don't have to keep reading, but just that, I wanted you to get that, that part all together, but who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time, for this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in the faith and truth. 1 Timothy 2, 1-7. You see, first off, Paul shows us the example that we should be praying and interceding for others. That's where he starts out. Even for kings and those in authority. Now, you may be thinking, I don't like those people that are in authority. That's okay. We still need you to pray for them. Not talking about church governance here. He's talking about the, the government. He's talking about those who are in charge. And whether you like them or not, Christian, you need to be praying for them. The police, the mayor, the councilmen, the senators, the congressmen, the judges, the president, the cabinet, all those folks. We don't have a king, but we do have people that are in charge of our government, and we need to be praying for them. We need to be interceding for them. And then he says this in verse 5, I love this. He says, there is one God, one mediator, between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. See, Jesus, He's our mediator. He's our, he intercedes for us. He's our intercessor, if you will. The man, Christ Jesus, goes before us to the Father. And because of this, we are able to address God directly. Let me say it this way. Jesus is our representative. He is our advocate with the Father. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, if... Really? He had to put an if there? <laughs> it should have been. Because y'all are going to sin. That's how I would have written it. But he says, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So all of you who confess to being not perfect, it's okay. Jesus died, He rose from the grave for your sins. Are you hearing this? We can come to God the Father, the Creator of the universe, Anytime we need to, because Jesus opened the way for us to approach the throne of God. 
That's one of the reasons why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's one of the reasons that the gospel is the good news. See, when, when we talk about the gospel, the good news, I think we undersell it sometimes. What's the gospel? It's the good news. What's the good news? Jesus died for our sins. You're absolutely right, but let me tell you something. It's good news for us that Jesus endured all the things He did during the Passion Week. It's good news that He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. It's good news that on the third day He rose from the dead. And not only did He rise from the dead, but He is in heaven preparing a place for us, and He intercedes for us before the Father. And not only that, but He encourages us as we grow in His Word. Jesus is alive to encourage. That's the second of the three things I want to share with you. Now I have to level with you on this point. I'm going to tell you something that's not very popular. I'm going to tell you something that a lot of preachers won't tell you. A lot of preachers don't like to say. See, because what we like to do is, is we like to get folks to join the church and to be baptized and be like, man, it's going to be great. And you're going to have the Holy Spirit and, and you're going to be a Christian and you're going to love it. And I'm going to tell you this, there are tough days ahead. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be downright difficult. There will be discouraging days ahead. You're like, that's not what I saw on TV or heard on the radio. And you're probably right. They don't want to tell you those things. It's not a popular message to let people know that it could be rough. But I want to tell you this. I don't care what you're going through as a Christian. Jesus will be there. He will be there to walk alongside of you. He will be there to encourage you every step of the way. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. In case you're confused, the joy set before him was not the cross. It was not the mock trial. It was not the accusations. It was not all those things. The joy set before him was he knew he was going to beat death. He knew he was going to be in heaven at the right hand of the Father. That was the joy set before him. And because of that, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, Jesus will be there. He'll be there to walk alongside you every step of the way. We are encouraged to look at His example because He won't give up on us. Look, if you're looking for a hero that never gave up, if you're looking for a hero that overcame insurmountable odds, if you're looking for a hero that just won't stop, have I got a story for you. One of my favorite things that Jesus ever said was in Matthew chapter 14. The disciples are in a boat. The waves are, are crashing around them. The wind is blowing. And Jesus comes walking out on the water to them. And the Bible says that the disciples were afraid and even cried out in fear. These are grown men who have fished almost all their lives. They're in the water. They've seen storms before. They cry out in fear when they see Jesus. And that's when Jesus says this. He looks at them and He says, 
Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Are you going through a tough time in life? Do you feel the, like the storms of life are tossing you around like a boat on the sea? A diagnosis, a job issue, a family problem, a school problem, a friend problem, a life problem, an addiction. Whatever it is, Jesus says, take courage, I'm here. You are not alone in your struggle. Brothers and sisters, living the Christian life is not easy. But we are called to reflect Christ as we run the race of life. Yes, it's hard. It's a hard race. Yes, it can be a dirty race. Yes, it's painful. Yes, there are moments where it's lonely. Yes, there are times when it's expensive. Yes, it's exhausting sometimes. But no matter what's happening in your life, remember Hebrews chapter 12. Lay aside everything. Even the sin which easily entangles us and run the race with endurance. Run the race that is set before you, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, when you are being tossed around by life, I want to remind you that Jesus is interceding for you. When you're being tossed around by life, I want to remind you that Jesus is there to encourage you. And I want you to be encouraged by what He said. Take courage. He's gone the extra mile. Everything that you may physically go through, He understands. He understands pain. He understands loneliness. He understands battling sin. He understands his friends leaving him. And not only is he a great example of overcoming this world, he is our intercessor. He is our encourager. But will you allow him to be these things in your life? If you allow Christ to be your encourager, you will also find that he will equip you. One thing I know, one thing I can testify to is that when I'm not selfish, when I put Christ first in my life, I have never been without the things that I need. You know, we get concerned because we see things like, oh, the stock market's up, the stock market's down. These businesses are going out of business. They're shutting down. All this stuff is happening. We think about money, money, money. What drives the world? Money drives the world. I don't have enough of it. I always run out. Frank's offering thought was spot on. Jesus provides all we need. That's another word for equip. Physically, spiritually, He will equip you. He will give you what you need. Day in and day out. This is not a name it and claim it here thing. I'm not telling you to, to you know, start, start praying for things. That he's not going to give you. What I'm telling you is if we live by faith in this promise of, of our future, it will be very hard for things like anxiety to survive. I've come to find out that God's riches and glory are inexhaustible. When you are faithful with your money, when you are faithful with your life, when, are you tithing? You don't have to answer that out loud, but it's just a question I feel like I should ask from time to time. Are you tithing? We are all blessed with a paycheck. God gives you 100% of it. Are you giving anything back? 
If we live by faith, when you are faithful with your time, not just, and it's stewardship is not just about your money. When you are faithful with your time, are you serving? Are you doing something more than just taking up space on a Sunday morning? Are you going to win? Are you committed to grow in His Word? Hey, if you're looking for areas to serve, by the way, both here at HCC and in the community, come and talk to Andy and I. There are many opportunities to be a reflection of Christ with your time, with your talents, with your money. I promise you that when you are faithful to God, your needs will be met. You can't outgive God, not with your time, not with your money, not with your talents, not with your gifts, not with your home, not with your car. You can't. Your needs will be met. Christ will equip you for whatever He calls you to do. I like to say that He equips those He calls. He doesn't always call the equipped. Look at some of the stories in the Bible of all the underdog type people that God has used to advance His kingdom on earth. People like Moses. Remember the burning bush? God said, Moses, I want to use you. And Moses said, God, are you sure? Do you know the things I've done? He tried to tell God he didn't speak well. God said, it's okay. Gideon. I love that story. God calls Gideon, calls him mighty warrior, and he's literally the least of these, the smallest of the tribes, the weakest of men, the weakest of people. And God says, hey, mighty warrior, why are you hiding? Why are you sifting grain inside? It's a dirty job outside. Why would you do it inside? King David, he goes through all these brothers. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Hey, are you missing a son? Well, yeah, but he's out with the sheep. He's just little and scrawny. Nope, he's the one I want to see. Those are just a few. These men were underqualified by all standards that we would see as qualified and they all had questions, and, and they even had some anxieties about the, what they were called to do. Moses, go back to Pharaoh. God, you know I, I killed an Egyptian, right? You know that? Yeah, God knew that. No, you're going to go back, and you're going to approach Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. Do you ever feel underqualified for what God has called you to do? It's okay. He will equip you to do what He has called you to do. He's called you to talk to your neighbor. I'm underqualified. I don't have the Bible memorized. You don't have to. You know your story. You know what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Go tell your neighbor. You are well equipped. Whatever it is that He has called you to do, He will equip you to do it. He really means for us not to worry about our future. He will equip you in such a way we don't need to worry about our future. We should follow this pattern. Paul lays it out for us. And we should battle these uncertainties. We should battle these anxieties of life with the promises of God's grace and peace. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4-9. through He says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That could be a song. Uh, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Read this right here, these four words. The Lord is near. Where is He? Near. Near. The Lord is near. Keep going. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pause right there. 
Let your request be known to God. Don't do it like a toddler throwing a tantrum. God, I want this and I want you to give it to me now. No, it's not how it works. Those of you that have had toddlers lately are going, oh, it's how it works. No. Train up that child with thanksgiving. Come before God. Let me finish this out for you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a big deal. Because sometimes we get in that place, like I said earlier, where we're being tossed back and forth by the waves. And we're like, ah, what's going on? I don't have any control over this. It's okay. Because when you bring it to the Lord, He will equip you. And better than anything else, the peace of God is what He will offer you. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, Dwell on these things. Stop right there. Don't move. Oh, go back one. Sorry. What do we usually dwell on? Let's be honest. Problems. Worry. Problems. Everyday. What's that? Everyday. Everyday. There's, there's, if we try, and really we don't have to try that hard. Almost every day there's something negative that we can dwell on. Go back one slide for me, please. Emily, you're doing a great job, by the way. He says, no, dwell on these things. Dwell on what's true. Hey, if you're wondering what's true in your life, the Word of God is true. Alright? Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if you're looking for honorable, right, and pure, you're most likely not going to find it on cable television. I'm just going to throw that out there for you. In case you're wondering. Whatever is of good repute, that's probably not on YouTube. Okay? Now, I'm not down in the internet. I'm not, I'm not getting ugly. I'm just saying. If there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Go to that next one. While you're dwelling on those things, it's a lot easier to not get sidetracked by the worries, the, 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 the storms, if you will. Let's continue on, Emily. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Hey, shout out real quick. What are some of the things that we, we've seen in Paul after, after his transition, after he went from Saul to Paul? Because he says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. What are the things that we saw or that we see in Paul? Perseverance, he got beat up. We saw love, humility, humility compassion. compassion. The same guy that was persecuting Christians became one of the most compassionate people. I love that. Talk about equipping for what you're called to. Be anxious for nothing. Pray for everything. And do it with thankfulness. Let your requests be made known to God. Don't be afraid to talk to God about what's going on in your life. Good, bad, or indifferent. I said earlier, he's, he's already been through it. And the best part, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. What that means is, is in your darkest hour when you're clinging to the peace of God and you're, you're actually not worried about what's going to happen next. That's, 
That's that thing that nobody else around you understands. How, how can you be okay with this? Because God's going to work it all out for His glory. And I'll be just fine tomorrow. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes the one thing we need the most is to just be equipped with peace. Paul knows this. He gets personal with the Philippian church when he shares with them how God met his needs. This is like all three of these things I've been talking about comes up in these verses in Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 20. Look at what he says here. You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. He went out to preach the gospel and the only church that supported him was the Philippian church, financially speaking. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. You're going to be blessed because of what you've sent. That's what he's telling them. But I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He knew what they were giving was sacrificial. And he's saying, thank you. And here's what he says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then he closes out and says, Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, just like Paul, or just like God provided for Paul through the Philippian church, just like Paul promised the Philippian church, hey, God will provide everything you need. You have given sacrificially so that I can do this other work, and I want you to know it wasn't in vain. God will take care of you. Just like God provided for the nation of Israel in the desert. Talk about provision. Forty years. He provided their needs. Now, we can learn some other lessons there. They weren't always exactly excited about that provision. There were some complaints about manna. But they had everything they needed. One of my favorite stories is they were complaining about the manna. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you some quail. You like quail? I don't know if you know this story, but I want to challenge you to go back and read it and really look into it because... He didn't just give them a little bit of quail. He gave them quail like three feet deep and miles wide. Like you couldn't go anywhere without getting through the quail. There you go. How's that? Stock up. We have fried quail, boiled quail, <laughs> sautéed quail, <laughs> broiled quail. I don't know how many different ways you could eat quail, but my goodness. they had That happened two different times. He provided what they needed in the desert of all places. When they needed water, it came from a rock. He provided everything and He will provide everything we need to live our lives for Him because He will equip us. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 through 28. For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in 
of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as it was not without an oath, for they needed, they indeed became priests without an oath, but he with an oath through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. That's impressive. Forever. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because He continues forever, holds His priesthood permanently. Therefore, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. I've shown you this morning that Jesus is alive. I've shared with you some examples that He intercedes for us. He encourages us. He equips us. And His Word is full of so many more examples than what I've shared this morning. But it all comes down to this. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He was faced with the same emotions and temptations that we face. And even though He was fully man, He did not sin. And even still in His innocence, He was unjustly charged and falsely accused. He was abandoned by His friends and basically let down by everyone that He helped. And the fact that He was still willing to drink the cup of His Father's plan, that He would go on to intercede for us to encourage us, to equip us, to love us, regardless of what we have done, shows me that He is also fully God, in case you've ever wondered. And this morning, you've been presented with the truth of God's Word. As we come to our response time this morning, you have to decide, will you allow the Messiah to intercede for you? Will you allow Jesus to encourage you? Will you allow the God of the universe to equip you? For whatever lies ahead. There's nothing He doesn't already know about you. That little exercise where you shared that you weren't perfect, God was not surprised. He already knew. And He knows that you're not perfect. We all do, because we confess that to each other. But I want you to know this. You have not gone so far in your imperfection. You have not gotten so dirty in life that our God won't hear you when you ask for forgiveness. Remember, Jesus is interceding for you. He's here to encourage you. Whatever you may be going through, the God of the universe will equip you to endure it. But the choice is yours.
So as we come to our response time this morning, you have to decide, will you go through life alone? Or will you allow Jesus, the risen Savior, to intercede, to encourage and equip you for what He has called you to do? If you're not sure what that looks like, the elders are here. They'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that. And maybe for you, the first step in allowing Christ to do these things for you is baptism, for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is ready. And I want to tell you, whatever your response is this morning, it's time to stand and sing and respond to God's word accordingly. Will you sing with us?